Just before we get into it, I need to remind you that the Football Index podcast is supported by footballindextrader.co.uk, the best site for in-depth scouting and trading strategy. It's challenging times for traders right now and FITs, detailed analysis and strategy guides are helping hundreds of traders plan for success in the weeks and months ahead. And he's busy highlighting the value that has opened up in the choppy market. As an exclusive offer for podcast listeners, you can give the site a try with 25% discount on your first month with code FIG25. Hello and welcome to the Football Index podcast. Since a lot of you listeners are very sharp, you probably noticed that I am not fake. This is because today he is in the hot seat and answering your questions. Therefore, by way of introduction, I'm Liam, also known as Football Index Buzz or at Football Index LM. I've been around since late 2015, early 2016, and I've dabbled in content production myself, mainly written form, writing articles for Football Index, among others. But at the minute, we're just writing them for football analysis. That's enough rambling from me. Let's bring in the main man himself, Fig. How are you doing, mate? Not too bad, mate. Not too bad. Realised that this is a year on from when we did this last time. Yeah, crazy. What a reunion. What a time. Who'd have seen this coming um, a year ago? We didn't even plan it. I know, yeah. We just literally, <laughs> I can't believe we just timed it so well. Very nice. You're keeping well in the, uh, in the whole lockdown situation. Plenty to be doing, I imagine. Not gone crazy yet. I mean, I've still, luckily uh, enough, got my full-time job still, being able to do that remotely, luckily, and then obviously still carrying on with the fig stuff. The show must go on, as they say. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure you've been keeping uh, plenty of people staying at home with your weekly analysis and whatnot. But today, obviously, a bit different. Went well last time we did this, so hopefully, fingers (laughs) crossed, with a similar reaction. Do you want to get in some questions? Why not, mate? Right, so the first setting with the miscellaneous, obviously you know how this works. <laughs> we'll start with the football index scout who asked, which players would you like to see IPO next? Obviously a big topic at the moment. Any on your mind? Yeah, it is a hot topic, isn't it? Like it's strange to think about, I think someone posted in uh, on Twitter somewhere that they saw that it was nearly three years to the day that Jaden Sancho got IPO'd at 30p. So obviously everyone's looking for the next Jaden Sancho. One of the ones that, is on his team, obviously, is Gio Reyna. And that was a guy that was, I think, in the comments a lot when this question was asked. And obviously, I think he'd he'd be one that would be on a lot of traders' lips. I'll try and go for a couple under-radar ones. There's a guy at Arsenal, I'm going to be very biased, Miguel Aziz, who's a really, really good, uh, promising young player, central midfielder. He's probably like the next in the kind of, line of production for Arsenal youngsters from what seems to be quite a a good crop with the likes of Saka, Willock, Smith-Rowe, Nelson, etc. So he's kind of next in line, I guess, and Ketia obviously up there as well. I mean, everyone's talking about Adil Ashish at um, PSG, but there's also a guy called Kwasi. I don't know if you've seen him around, Liam, but he's about like 6'3", and he's 17. And I've seen him play a couple of games with PSG and I was really, really impressed. Like he's, I don't even know if he's a central midfielder or a centre half yet, but he just looks like really, really good on the ball and just like obviously dominant because he's massive. One other guy that was bought by, you know, you as a United fan, you might know Mejbri. Is that how you pronounce him? The guy that came over from Monaco, 16 year old? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, I've not seen too much of him. Um, I heard a lot about him. Yeah, he does look 
but he could be one of those types that we do try to push through quite quickly, especially with Ollie there. You never know, but people seem to love United players, don't they? Especially in youth, when you see the prices we've got from Gomez and whatnot. So, yeah, it'd be interesting one to see how much players like them were IPO'd at now. I don't know what you think about that, whether they should increase them. You know, we had like, obviously, Jude came in quite quite high, but not high enough, clearly. He's gone up so much. I think the market's going to have to decide, isn't it? with the bidding process that they're hoping to instill with NASDAQ. I think whatever price FI put players in, they're kind of damned if they do and damned if they don't. If they put them in too low, then they run the risk of being on the bad end of a a trade, quote-unquote, for them in terms of IPOing someone quite low and then you're paying more and more dividends if that player has an amazing career. So it means there's more risk. And also on top of that, more money will come out of existing holds if the players are too cheap because obviously the opportunity cost in holding players as opposed to trying to get some of these IPOs is quite high. If you put them in too high, then obviously there isn't that much traction. So if I don't get that much money in in the coffers, I mean, you remember the infamous James Milner IPOing at like a ridiculous <laughs> price back in the day. Was it 260 or something like that? 230, I think. Yeah, it was yeah, massive, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. In comparison, he was like higher than loads and loads of really good players at yeah. the time. And for us at the time, because there was a top 200 and MB was only being paid out to them, it was kind of, we were okay with it because that meant that there was less players that were able to win MB in that top 200. They were being pushed down back into the squad. But yeah, I think um, there's loads of players that could be IPO'd. There's obviously the situation FI have found themselves in in the middle of COVID-19 where they are not immune to it as uh, uh, many businesses are finding out and also I think they need to get it right if they do it and I think we'll probably wait until football restarts and they have this kind of new system in place ready to cope with as much traffic as you'd expect with someone like a, a Medjbri or a Z's or a Reina, whatever. Yeah I'd agree with that to be honest I think there might be a temptation for them to try and you know push it through and get a few out there now, lock up a bit of money or whatnot. But I think I agree, if they can hold off and get the old, get NASDAQ in and sort out the whole system, that would be definitely ideal. Okay, great. Next question from your very own show pony. Does some great work for you, obviously, recently with the pitches. He says, some of the pony's finest work list, so he's picking himself up as well. Brilliant. <laughs> My question is, when are we starting the graphic novel? <laughs> You know what? The show pony loving has been has been there for quite some time, and I think if people stopped seeing those memes, there'd be uh, a few tears shed for sure. But it just kind of came out of nowhere at one point. I remember him DMing me and just sending me one of these, and I literally I was like, should I just use it for the podcast? And he was like, yeah, why not? And it just continued there on in. <laughs> now he's obviously also doing them for the panda cast as well. But one of the things that me and Pony are thinking about are doing uh, maybe in the future, maybe towards the end of twenty twenty, depending on how. COVID goes and how the footballing world goes is kind of swag that would be show pony designed and you'd also have potentially a a show pony line of clothing there as well so maybe interesting things to come depending on how much demand there is for this stuff (laughs) we'll see that is uh, (laughs) that could be something to admire definitely quite the exclusive isn't it yeah it really is yes pods turning out to be big already oh god (laughs) Um, but yeah that that definitely would be interesting that man is very good on Photoshop we'll move on another interesting question from Aaron Johns so with Fig's Pokemon related thumbnail for this week's pod, what Pokemon do you think would be priced highest if there was a Pokemon index? Asking for a friend, I will see myself out. I was an avid, avid Pokemon player when I was younger. Avid. So much so 
that I thought what would be a good idea is for me to buy a Pokemon game during this lockdown. And I did it just before Amazon and eBay and all the kind of like distribution systems messed up. I just started playing it and I just, it was one of the new ones and I just didn't know what was happening. I just didn't know how to play and it made me feel really old. So stop playing that. Pokemon Index. I don't don't really know. Do I do I just become a cop out and say like the OG Pikachu? That was definitely gonna be my answer. <laughs> you know, the big names seem to rise to the top, don't they, in terms of these indexes? So <laughs> he's the one, right? Yeah. Surely he'd clean up media, I suppose. Unless there's one on there maybe named Victor or something, then he'd be pretty good as well. But <laughs> other than that, I'm, I'm not so sure I was more of a Yu-Gi-Oh man myself. But anyway. <laughs> right, we'll move on to a more football based one. Football Index Scotland asked. Ken Sancho Grealish Madison or Semen, that's how you pronounce his name, or Jude, where are United going to go? I think Kane's not going to happen. I'd be so, so surprised if that happened. You'd be trying to barter with a man that's renowned for driving a really hard bargain. Do you remember when Bale went to Real Madrid? It, it famously didn't happen until the very last day, did it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Officially. So. I don't see United buying anyone over 25. Honestly, I really don't. I don't see them. The players that they bought this past summer in the likes of Harry Maguire and Aaron Wan-Bissaka, they've become like very much mainstays in the United team. And players like McTominay that have come in, even Fred, for example, like all these guys were bought in at kind of like, I think the right age. Yeah. I think, was Harry Maguire just over 25 maybe when he won he game? Yeah, just creeped over, I think. But still, yeah, you know, but, for a centre-back, it's um, pretty youthful in a way, isn't it? Yeah, and I just don't see shelling 150 or so million pounds on a player who injuries have not gotten the better of him, but they've certainly stuttered or halted his progress and like kind of his output to some extent. And I don't know, like one of them seems to be quite reoccurring in his ankle. Sancho, I think, is obviously the one that probably we have the most information about in terms of kind of sources. Like there's been some flirting from him and like Rashford, all that kind of stuff. Like it just kind of feels like that is going to be a saga and that he's going to end up in a red shirt. Grealish, I just don't, I don't know. I just think the off-field antics probably killed it for him. And then I think if Villa stayed up, he'd probably stay at Villa. He seems quite like he loves that club. Madison, if you'd asked me like, four months ago five months ago I would have thought he would have been probably near the top of United's list but he kind of started to fade away a little bit and also he started to fade away as Fred started getting better and also Bruno came in McTominay came back from injury and then there's like whether or not Pogba stays so I just don't know if there's actually room for him or Greedish Osserman I don't know like those rumours seem to have come out kind of like out of nowhere for me but he certainly seems him and Moussa Dembele, probably strikers that a lot of clubs are going to try and go after. But with COVID, again, I don't really know whether or not some of these teams are going to shell out a lot of money. Like if United pay 120 million for Sancho, how much more have they got in the tank? Like will they go for an extension on a loan of Igalo? Will they be able to just keep Pogba, maybe get one more body in? But then that might be them for that. Bellingham, it certainly seems to be between them and Dortmund, right? And... I mean, if I was him, I'd definitely be going to Dortmund, I'm not going to lie. It seems to be where careers flourish. With United, you kind of step up or you you step off, so to speak. With Dortmund, I think it's probably less pressure, even if you do have kind of blips, like when Sancho was in the papers about missing training and he had these kind of off-field antics, behaviour issues, like... It seems to be a bit more forgiving, kind of management, the technical staff there, and also the fans seem to 
to kind of relish seeing a young player do well. We've obviously seen with Harlan Sancho, we mentioned Rain earlier. It just seems like a place where young players seems to do really, really well. But then again, how willing is he to go abroad, etc. But yeah, I think uh, Sancho is probably the most likely then, then probably Jude Bellingham, then maybe Grealish, Osserman, Kane, Madison. I only really see United getting Sancho and maybe Bellingham out of that six. But maybe I haven't really read enough about Victor Osserman. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably tend to agree with you on that. I think Osterman's is quite interesting. I've read a bit about him today and stuff. I think I think he probably fits our or what it seems like we're going for. He fits that mould of a striker more than Kane would in in a weird way. Obviously, being used to playing for Lille and they've got that youthful team, that attacking kind of. They seem to play in the same way that that we look like we want to play now. I think I read some quotes earlier about him saying, you know, he wants to play for a big club at some point, but the bench is not an option. So I think maybe that's where everyone's got like mm. Man United from because, you know, if he goes to Chelsea or something, maybe he's got more competition for that actual top spot, maybe. I'm not sure. But they seem a bit of a selling club as well, haven't they, over the years? Leon, that's one thing, again, probably got papers obviously happy to talk about their players leaving because often it does happen with Pepe and whatnot of the last few years yeah. but I suppose they've still got quite a lot of money from that I think they netted like over 50 million last year in terms of like ins versus outs so I don't think they're that desperate to sell him but it could mm. be an interesting one he's also not played a full season in, in the top five leagues I think. that's like, true yeah you're this, right this, this, like this is his first season yeah. yeah so I would if I had to bet on him staying or going I think he'd probably stay for another season yeah and then maybe go for bigger money next season when clubs have a bit more money in their coffers yeah, I think that's a good shout. Right, we'll move on. The format of this podcast might have changed this week, but there's one thing that's always certain is that FI Gardner <laughs> has a question. Brilliant stuff. So he's asked you, can you reveal any grand plans that you have for the Figcast over the next 12 to 18 months? Over the next 12 to 18 months, such a long time. I mean, the Fig brand or whatever you want to call it turns three in July. So you're asking me to kind of forecast another another half of that life. I think I want to do another live show. I think that was really good fun. People seem to enjoy it. I think there was a lot of skepticism about what kind of event it would be, but people really seem to enjoy it. I mean, I think there was, I think we had to clear like a thousand pound bar tab or something like that. And it went by like eight o'clock and doors had opened at like 7.45 or something like that. So I learned that people were drink literally their weights worth (laughs) <laughs> when it comes to these football index events, as I'm sure you well know, Liam. Yeah. But yeah, I want to do another live show. I want to do some maybe videoed podcasts, kind of like Joe Rogan style, but that might be more the 18-month kind of side of things. I think there's been quite a lot of innovation on the Figcast front recently, obviously doing the the kind of Figcast Extra, the Pandacast, as a lot of people like to coin it, or the Pumpcast Extra, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> I think where I maybe want to push more is on the video front, maybe doing kind of like more of those kind of quiz type things, maybe doing kind of like webinars, selling like a hundred person webinar and doing 60 minutes on like the groundworks of FI, kind of like the beginner's basics, whatever, kind of like extended versions of my videos, but in groups of people that are really keen to learn more. I don't know, there could be some more kind of video content with other people. I was talking to Carl Brown the other day, he's keen to maybe do some like gaming and, and talking about COD as well <laughs> and Football Index at the same time. I don't know, there's loads of those of ideas up in the air and obviously want to get a website out in the open now and in 2020, obviously some plans have been halted due to, to COVID, unfortunately. But there's there's a lot in the, the pipeline. I mean, we mentioned the show pony 
the show pony swag lines earlier but there's there's a lot in the the pipeline it's just sometimes i think oh that's going to be done in like two years but it actually happens in two months so i think whenever you do this kind of thing you just got to kind of roll roll with the punches to some extent yeah that seems fair you got a lot on your plate but that sounds a lot <laughs> to look forward to anyway well if we go from looking forward then to having a little look back joe felix wants to know which guest has taught you the most or change your perspective on the market since your podcast began. I'm going to plug the podcast that's just gone out last Sunday with Martin O'Regan. I don't know if you listened to I it, Liam. just but... caught it, actually, just before yeah. We, yeah, we started this one, yeah. It might not be kind of my uh, perspective on my trading or like taught me anything in particular, but I think there's always been this debate about what happens when we reach kind of market saturation, whether it's at a 500 million market cap or a billion or whatever how much flex is there in that market cap? What do the margins look like for, for traders? And I think that there are a significant number of traders on the platform that really love this product enough that they'd be happy to make like 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 if you're a superb trader, 30, 35 if you're amazing and just love the platform because I think a lot of people also forget this tax-free, which is another massive, massive thing. Definitely. Like if you are trading on like a a trading 212 or free trade or Hargreaves Lansdowne, whatever it may be, a lot of that, if you do realize it into cash in the end, it'll be taxed. So that is another thing that I think a lot of people forget about. And then also no one really makes money gambling. So it's kind of like rock at a hard place. You might not be able to make as much money as you did when the platform started, but where else are you going to put that money? Like, I mean... Cryptocurrencies, <laughs> like it's very risky, isn't it? And even yeah. even that, even that, you have to pay tax on if you make money on. Yeah. So it's a lot of toing and froing from the FI community about what might happen when that point comes. But I think Martin spoke so passionately, and he was so vivid in his description of kind of like how passionate he is about this product. And I think Football Index SOTD, who we know quite well as well, who was on the Fitcast Live episode 100, he always talks about as well, like it's not really that much about the money, just love the platform. And I think a lot of people are in that boat, even though they are making great money, they would be happy making lower returns as long as that the returns are at kind of like a, a decent rate, if that makes sense. So that changed my perspective slightly. I think podcasts I've done with Panda and PB Man in the past have definitely opened my eyes about kind of the valuation of players. So of kind of Sam Friedman as well. He's been he's been really good whenever he's been on. And I think ASP as well to love him or loathe him. A bit Marmite when it comes to FI Twitter, but I think every time he's come on the pod, he's been phenomenal and, and kind of smashed out of the park. And every time he'll say something where I've been like, oh, I didn't think of that. So yeah, I've thrown a few names out there, but props to all of them. Martin was fantastic when he came on the podcast as well, most recently. So shout out to all of those guys. Yeah, there's been some very smart people on it, that's for sure. If we move on then, we've got It's Always Sunny on the Index asking if you had to pick between the two, would you rather have double your money on the index or double your listeners or followers within the next year? <laughs> I remember looking through the questions, I was like, this is probably the hardest one. Ha. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I went back and forth with it in my mind because I was like, if I doubled what I have in FI right now, it'd be significant and be rather significant to me in, in my life. Such a hard question to answer. <laughs> it's hard because like, if I doubled my money, would that mean I don't double my listeners and followers within that year? And is it vice versa? Because if it is, then that's... That's even tougher. Yeah, I mean, the obvious cop out is to go for the money and then you know pay for some kind of like extra advertising with that money, <laughs> and, and you got both, right? Like, but I feel like that's not what he was going for. No, 
Honestly, like I think for me, I've had to really ramp down the amount of trading and kind of like my activity on FI, like as a trader to kind of like do more fake stuff alongside my job, which has meant that at times I might not have maximized my profit, but I've still done probably really, really well. It's really hard. I, can't, I don't even know if I could give an answer to this one. You're going to sit on the fence? I think I'm going to sit on the fence, mate. It's oh, so hard. Right. So hard, that one. We'll move on. He's got you there then. Okay, we'll move on. Scott McGregor asked, how many players will be £10 plus in three months' time? That's an interesting one. Three? Maybe two or three. Yeah, I mean, are you thinking, obviously, Sancho, you think has to be the one that stretches it, probably? And then yeah. under that... Especially football is back. It depends, doesn't it? I suppose it depends what the season's going on and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Football's going on. I mean, you've you've obviously got Bruno, who's probably creeped back up over. If like if football came back tomorrow, I mean, I don't know who you'd buy Liam, but he'd probably be on the tip of a lot of tongues. Yeah, definitely. If Pogba stayed, could he push that way? Maybe. Bappe's risen loads recently. Neymar. So there's a few candidates, but out of those kind of five or six, I think we'd probably see two or three, maybe. Yeah, 10 quid. I'd be happy with that, I think. I don't own a couple of the ones you mentioned, but I'd, I'd still be happy to see them push on and stretch everything else. Yeah, okay, cool. Uh, we'll move on then. Lee of SRTD has asked a few questions. Favourite FI podcast you've recorded? One of the ones I most enjoyed recording in terms of it was the funniest, I think, or the funnest recording was with Luar Luar and FPL Chef. They're, they're both really good, really good crack. Definitely go listen back to that one. But I think favourite, I think just because the event, like everything that came out of it was the episode 100. 100. So I'll always go back to that one. Nice. How many hours a week do you put into this? <sighs> Including trolling RC on Twitter and, <laughs> and like being active on... If I counted my Twitter activity, then it'd probably be a lot higher. But in terms of actually kind of creating content, I'd probably say like, eight, seven or eight hours a week, six, seven, eight hours a week. But in terms of the whole shebang, I'd probably say 10 to 15. Nice. That's a lot of, uh, a lot of effort from your side. <laughs> it has to, be, uh, has to be applauded. Just to add to that, actually, I have a bit of my own question. How much do you think that your productivity or efficiency in that has improved over the, uh, you know, over the time you've been doing this stuff? I mean, even just you know, the, the stuff you send out before podcasts and stuff, I've noticed you know, they're a lot more regimented now. It's a lot more, <laughs> you know, it's a lot more professional than it was back in the beginning. You've done a really good job in terms of those kind of things getting ironed out. I just wondered how much you think it's got easier to an extent to produce some good stuff. I think it has gotten a lot, lot, lot easier. I think it used to take me probably about five times as long to make videos a year and a half ago than it does now. Wow. Which is, yeah, like I've cut it down a lot. And what I've realized is that like, if I sacrifice 10% quality, I can get stuff out that much faster. And it means that I'll have a consistent flow of content. Podcasts as well, I've been lucky enough to have some help on the editing side for about the last 30 or 40 episodes, which has been super good. So that's obviously helped and obviously you know, sponsors such as Index Gain, FI Trader, Athletic, and obviously like all that kind of stuff has, has helped being able to, to fund that stuff. Otherwise, it wouldn't be possible. But you're right in terms of kind of like some of the, the stuff in terms of uh, the show notes and all that stuff that obviously we're both reading off now. A lot of that stuff, it's felt really obvious to me. And I've been like, oh, should I do that? And then I'd be like, oh, no, like that's really obvious. But sometimes spelling stuff out to people that is second nature to you actually really helps people more than you think like detailed instructions on how to join like a, a zoom link so we can record etc all that kind of stuff i've had to become more efficient otherwise the fake stuff wouldn't have survived just because as i ramped up my kind of 
nine to five career, the amount of time I had diminished and kind of like, you know, if I wanted to continue having like a social life and like actually seeing the outdoors, then I had to become more efficient and like, you know, work on it here and there in the evenings and like on the weekends and then still be able to kind of live my life and, and have a job. Yeah, seems fair. No, that's that's good. That is, um, obviously, you've got more of a handle on it now. Final question then was, has it been worth it? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> if you said kind no, of, I would have been so, <laughs> a bit surprised. No, podcast terminated. No, I mean, like, I kind of owe almost everything I currently am doing and have in my life, I suppose, kind of from a professional standpoint to kind of what I've done with the fig stuff. Like, I wouldn't have been able to get a job making podcast professionally or making media professionally for a company had I not done this like I think a lot of people talk about degrees and stuff but realistically if you can show evidently that you can do stuff it's a lot easier for an employer to come and come and get you it's kind of just for me been a very synergetic relationship for me in terms of kind of if I learn and experiment something new on the fig stuff I can kind of take it into work and be like hey we should try this and likewise if, if some of my colleagues are like oh we should do this and I like that idea then I can kind of like kind of steal it a little bit and, and take it over to FI or the fig stuff rather which has been super super good and yeah like it, it's definitely been worth it I don't really know what like I'm trying to think of like kind of the, the trajectory of my life and career and what it would have been like if I hadn't done the fig stuff and it would look so fundamentally different that I can't even kind of describe it it'd just be like an alternative reality to some extent fair enough that's a bit of an Oscar speech there but it was very <laughs> insightful and yeah that's, that's that's awesome to hear obviously you've done a great job in the stuff that you've done so it's, it's good to hear that you've obviously found it worth it and that you know you've gotten quite a lot out of it yourself as well we move on to FI Maximizers question, given the FI community is doing the charity 5k runs, which footballers do you think would get the best and worst 5k times? I'm just going to add one more thing to the Oscar speech, actually, because I think when I spoke to a lot of my really close friends, I didn't have exams in my final year of my degree. I did like a major project and we handed it in and we were kind of like me and my class, we were off for like two or three weeks. And a lot of us were kind of like, oh, thinking, you know, what are we going to get? Like internships, blah, 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 like, what are we going to do? And for me, I was kind of like, I don't really want to get back into doing, like getting up every day, every morning and like just working for solid, like however many hours. I just thought like, what if I could like try and do something? And then those conversations with FI started, like I kind of reached out. I'd already had contact with them because obviously, as you know, back in the day, Liam, they were obviously a lot more free in terms of how much time they had but the likes of Mike and Adam would pick up the phone and talk to traders that had been very active on the platform so I really had kind of connections with them and I was kind of like I've got this idea let me kind of pitch it to them they were all good with it and then you know as you do with with any idea you have you talk to your friends about it try and gauge what they think if they think it's a good idea and a lot of my friends were kind of like yeah I'm not sure about that you do realize how big you need to get on YouTube to make money and stuff like that and I was kind of like well you know like you know you got to start somewhere And then, uh, like, I had a few friends who were kind of like, yeah, like, I really think this is a good idea. And I actually, and I will remember this journey for the rest of my life, actually. I had a coach ride from a ski trip in France back to London. And it was about, 
I don't know how many, many hours, like several, several, several hours. And I sat next to like a mutual friend who I knew had started his own YouTube channel, like creating viral videos, kind of like top five, like, I know, prehistoric artifacts, like top five, like uh, tallest buildings, all this kind of random shit. But it it gone crazy. Like he had like millions and millions of subscribers and he had like amazing business now. And we kind of, I remember like hardly sleeping that whole journey because we just talked about kind of like, what he knew about kind of like the the content that he was creating. And I was just like becoming a sponge. And he was like, yeah, you should do this. You should make like football index courses and all this stuff. Like you should do this. And I was just like, okay, like, you know, this is someone that has like loads and loads drive who hasn't met this with kind of like idea with kind of like, oh yeah, that's, that's kind of like an all right idea. You might be able to do that or like, oh yeah, I don't know if you should bother. Like you have to get really, really big. He kind of, in his mind, he saw like where the potential was of what I was talking about and pitching to him. And we just talked about it for ages and that that's where the kind of fixed stuff was born. So I guess the final wrapping up to this Oscar speech is kind of like, if you have an idea and certain people don't kind of like encourage you to do it or even like laugh at you, which I've had loads of ideas in my life and loads of people have laughed at them. And a lot of the time, whenever people laugh at your ideas, you should just go out and do them because sometimes people just laugh because they just don't understand. They don't have the kind of capacity or the vision to kind of understand how something will work. So, so to to anyone who's kind of like leaving uni or kind of like in between jobs or whatever, like just, just kind of like go out and do stuff, like try stuff. And if people laugh at your ideas, don't listen to them, just go and do them. Yeah, fair enough. Very, very commendable. Um, Who (laughs) knew that picking the right seat on a coach could be so important there? (laughs) We'll come back to FI Maximizer's question then. And 5K the worst 5k run who's an absolute machine i'll tell you who's apparently got ridiculous fitness levels and i know this i was reading an article from darren burgess he's the former head of performance at arsenal and he was saying that abamyang has got just some of the most ridiculous fitness levels he's ever seen as like a professional sports coach which is pretty interesting i don't know how he does how he fares over long distance but gareth bell used to be apparently a cross-country runner as well oh interesting he used to do cross-country when he was younger Bale, Abamyang, who else? I'm trying to think who's got an absolute mad engine in the I used to think back in the day, a little bit like Valencia, I think, at Man United. I remember yeah. the pace, the machine he used to put in down that right hand side. It was ridiculous. Do a rogue one, but he obviously got to put Kante in there, I imagine. He's not the quickest mm. guy, but. <laughs> God, he's got a fucking. Like, he's like. <laughs> One of those Duracell bunny rabbits, isn't it? <laughs> Even maybe who's, who's, James Milner, maybe as well. Yeah, yeah, Milner would be a good shout. I'm trying to think who else covers like loads and loads of ground in the Prem. I don't really know. I, I quite like the bail shouts, to be fair. Because I'm thinking at 5K, you need somebody who's got like longevity, but also like a bit of pace about them. Yeah, definitely. If he doesn't pull a hammy, I'll go for That's him. That's the problem, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> he's got about 4K in it without injury. Um, <laughs> the um, worst. Worst. Though, the yeah. worst. This was hard, actually. I was going to go for, I mean, he's just about retired now, Pete Crouch, but he was saying that he was like up there, even when he, we was at Burnley in his last bits, like he was, he was still super, super good, like at the running. Oh, fair. I'd go for someone really, really lazy, like Balotelli or someone like that. Yeah, fair. I was thinking like, yeah, like maybe Ben Teke, Glenn Murray, maybe, you know, <laughs> the guys that just stand up top. Just, I remember Brighton Santa having Cazola. like one of the worst. Yeah, yeah, you again, another one that is probably do a couple of K and then, I need a stretcher for the rest of it. <laughs> Great footballer, but yeah, I don't know if I trust him over five k. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's a fair, that's a fair group. A few good shouts, I think. If we move on to the next one, Bobby Axelrod, which, funnily enough, Bobby Axelrod is my trading name on the uh, football index. There's one for you. 
So when I we see Bobby Axelrod, that's that's me buying players. If anyone at all cares about that, <laughs> so this question anyway. Through your whole football index journey, what has been the single most thing that's made you think, "Shit, this thing is a real deal." Could be anything. I've got a few of these actually. I don't know what you think? You've got a few. Yeah, I, th- I think there's a few that I've. I, think, I can't think of one single one that like really made me think, "Oh shit!" Yeah. I was going to say the same thing. There hasn't been like one. Yeah. I reckon like there's there's been very gradual bits that have been done by FI, but also through speaking to people like yourself when we've met at like Trader Meets, like SG, who like has has like blown my mind. He's a super smart guy if you ever want to speak to him yeah, <laughs> uh, about loads of random stuff. So there's certain people that I've spoken to that have really like opened my eyes in terms of like how FI works the kind of like behavioral psychology side of things with Sam Friedman, Sigmund and stuff. But I don't think there has been one singular thing. I think when they turned instant sell on properly and the amount of trading that happened, I think if I had to pin it one moment to think, but even then I wasn't like, oh, this is amazing now. I still really loved the product before. After it was kind of like, wow, that's a game changer. I suppose PB for a lot of people would be the real deal but even for me like I loved the product before PB and I still do love it now even more so or just as much so I wouldn't say that was like oh that's the real deal for me I think for me like understanding how their business model works understanding like how traders think and function and and all that kind of stuff has been more of a gradual thing for me and there hasn't been one you know light bulb moment yet no I, I think I think Nasdaq announcement was big for me as well that I think huge, when I yeah. saw that I was like wow this is like you know there's so many people that that have obviously you know slated the product or said it's not legit whatever and you see a big name like that get involved and you just like it's crazy really you think how can many people like argue with that you know like they've obviously done their due diligence and they know the products as well as us right you like to think and and not only is it going to just make it so much better, but just to have that name on board, I just think it's incredible. Mm, mm, it's huge. I mean, I can't believe the New York thing with Adam Cole was real. <laughs> Honestly, I thought that was uh, Photoshop. I thought that was Photoshop as well, yeah. <laughs> so then he, I saw that he sent it out, I swear, on one of the Cedar... Um, like you know updates from him I swear the picture was at the bottom and he was like please see attached picture of me <laughs> in New York I was like what <laughs> that's crazy oh man but yeah that, that was definitely up there I think obviously current situation as well I think getting through this and reacting as well as, as it has done I think is another one of those little like you know just ticks you along and makes you think wow this really is mm. you know the thing that's doing the best out of everything at the moment touch wood and it's like wow this is the real deal kind of thing I have a a question though myself before we go on to some more questions. Before we get into anything else, I'd like to ask you how you use numbers within your trading because obviously, I don't know if you have seen, I like to think you have, I use them quite a bit all over Twitter and um, a lot of my analysis, some of it looking back, some of it trying to predict and whatnot, but a lot of it involving numbers, obviously. That's where my background comes from. I never see you use them too often. I just wondered what what your thoughts were on that. I wouldn't classify myself if the likes of you and fi ben and like pb man and all these other guys that produce amazing stats carl brown moz alpha chaser now out there isn't he that guy Mm. producing some great stats there's loads of people that produce really good stats and that's clearly like how they tick they love the numbers behind the game and and kind of like behind fi for me I, i don't tend to get 
bogged down personally too much into the analytical side of things. It's obviously good to have a barometer for it. But for me, like whenever I do look on the analytical side, I always tend to look at kind of like PB scores over certain numbers rather than dividend yields. And the reason I do that is because obviously like players can get lucky and win dividends and they can be unlucky and not win dividends. So essentially like if a player has returned 0p and another has returned 16p, but they have the identical historical scores from a PB standpoint, you can't tell whether the guy with 0p returns or 16p returns is going to next win. It's impossible. Like it would just be, it's probabilities, like it would be 50-50 between them. So that's kind of my thinking behind not looking too much at dividend yields and more looking at kind of like forecasting how well a player can do from a PB standpoint by looking at overs. And I, I kind of often use the um, the index gain overs report. And that will be my my cheeky little plug for index gain, <laughs> uh, of course, as in every episode. If you guys do want to check them out, you can head over to uh, indexgain.co.uk and use FIG2020 for five quid off your first month or your first month three, then another five quid off on top of that if you go for the six month plan. Yeah, that's on indexgain.co.uk. And and yeah, I, t- I tend to basically use the kind of like overs reports to best judge where I think players that are more likely to return PB dividends than, than not are going to be in the future. But for me, I think my trading style, I tend to look more holistically, I guess, at like player careers, like where do I see the next checkpoints for their rises and massive dividend returns? So I think historically speaking, I'm trying to think of players that I've done quite well on. I think kind of like Haaland in the past and other players that have gone on to like make big moves in the future. And it's like forecasting how big someone's dividend returns are going to be over like the next six months, year, 18 months, three years, five years, whatever it may be, has always been kind of like a better strategy for me personally to try and find value. And then obviously like mixing that up with slightly shorter term trading in terms of picking out players that I think might hit big scores in the near future, which is where I've just plugged index gain, of course. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, nice plug. Yeah, I agree, really. I think sometimes looking at yields is is more of a great advertisement for the product than it is usefulness in picking up players. I think, you know, you can look at a player and say, oh, it's produced this much yield in the past six months. It's looked awesome. But obviously, as you say, that's not really telling you very much going forward, especially when 16p is such a huge amount you know like it, that can take yeah. someone from zero to like 30 percent year like of a one weekend just because mm. they scored a hat trick that they're never going to do it again kind of thing but yeah i agree i think overs and and that kind of thing i like that overs is becoming more of a thing than average scores which that like, used to be the big you know everyone loved an average score in them when pb first came yeah. out but yeah, no, I'd, I'd agree with you. I think a great plug anyway. We'll move on to FI Headhunter's question. This is a long one, but it's a very good one. In what order do you think these things will happen? I wish you'd have put commas in though, because I'm going to have to try <laughs> break these up. Media review is one. Implemented order books. Germany opening up. Footy hits 200,000. 15 pound player. Dividend increased. Trading deadline pushed back from 3 p.m. And then finally, a team of the week or month. So you've got a few there. I'm hoping you've either written this uh, down or already done it because <laughs> there's quite a few of them there, but there's some good Why uh, didn't you put comments in the map? For fuck's sake, headphones. <laughs> £15 player, media review, footy hits 200,000. Dividend increase, order books, Germany, trading deadline pushback, and then maybe team of the week month. I don't even know if that 
team of the beak thing will happen so that's why i've left it last but yeah did yours would yours differ too much to mine almost the same to be honest i actually maybe optimistically i had 40 hitting 200,000 sorry first so i did a little digging so we are currently at 165 so we're not oh, too okay. far off we were at 145,000 at the start of this year so 20,000 up you know given everything that's got on that's not too bad mm. and exactly a year ago today we were at 82,000 so we've practically yeah. doubled in a year so you think three months it's not out of the question you know 10k yeah, rise yeah. a month going into summer and then obviously maybe that will be combined with a dividend increase and media review and whatnot but yeah other than that it's pretty much similar I think the same about the, the team of the week and the month thing I'm not sure if that will happen maybe at some point but I don't think it's quite on the map at the minute trading deadline being pushed back again I put that like towards the end I think maybe they push it to four o'clock or something just to give you an hour of the three o'clock kickoffs on a Saturday or something I'm not sure but uh, yeah they were the ones that I kind of left out but other than that yeah I think they might maybe implement order books and a dividend increase or at least an announcement mm. of both at the same time I think so as well you like to think media will get done before all of that and again I think you mentioned it on the pod last week but I think getting the product right before going into Germany is definitely the way to do it. So hopefully they do yeah. that way around and not try and push into it there. I think we got through that all right without commas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Next question from Aaron Palace. Do you think FI should still look to be implementing order books for 2020 given all the uncertainty and confusion around the football season, player contracts and transfer window? There's going to be a lot going on. Yeah, what do you think about that? I think it's kind of two-pronged. On one hand, they've realised that having order books in this kind of situation would have been a lot better for their business model. Like, you know, if there were order books and Sancho dropped that much and FI dropped the spread to what it was where you were buying him 50% or selling him 50% at his price, people would have still been able to get out at like higher than that yeah. with order books, which would have been really good. On the other hand, at the same time, some of those players would have also been eviscerated. Like they would have dropped very hard, like 30, 40, 50%. So it's all swings and roundabouts, isn't it? I think it's probably pushed a lot of their plans back. I think we'll see it at the end of 2020, order books. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if it didn't happen this year. But yeah, do you think they're better trying if they can to implement it at a time where there's no football on? Do you think that's a better time to do it? Maybe not, I'm not saying now, but you know, maybe when we do eventually get a summer break or a, whatever break it is between the end of this season and the start of next. Yeah, potentially, actually. But we don't know when that period yeah, is going to be, do of, we? Of course. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'd agree. It would, it would have been interesting to see what would have happened if they had have been in now. As you say, a lot of people would have been able to trade within the spreads and those people that are trying to get out would have been able to get out and those people that are really looking for a bargain would have probably got a bargain and there'd have been a lot of money made on that side. But then, as you say, people who have got those players sat in their portfolio, they're getting obliterated. It's just going to cause a lot more, a lot more panic, you'd think, wouldn't you? Mm. So, yeah, but yeah, definitely, I think if they can implement it, I think it's best to do it, you know, as soon as feasibly possible. I wouldn't say, you know, the things that were mentioned in the question, the player contracts and transfer window, the football season, you wouldn't say that they're the things that are stopping it, would you? Which says no, more, no. Yeah, it's more to do with the actual technicalities of it, if you like. I think it's also the uncertainties of everything going around the world, right? Like, we don't know how NASDAQ have been affected by this, you know? Yeah, like, exactly. what, have they have they had to work a lot more on other exchanges that are getting less and more volume than anticipated because of people like trying to sell or buy, etc. Like, there's a lot of variables that we just don't know, so it's really hard to predict. 
Yeah, for sure. Next one, we've got BRMFI asking, or first telling you that he's enjoyed the recent pods, which is nice. And then how do you think experienced traders will be able to use order books to their advantage? And do you think that there'll be some significant drops in prices when they're implemented? Kind of what we just talked about a little bit. But yeah. I don't think there'll be significant drops. I think there might be more fluidity and liquidity in the pricing. It kind of makes sense. That's how markets work. They should work like that. Some experienced traders have never used an order book system before. So I don't necessarily think that an experienced trader on FI means that you're going to adapt very well to to order books in any fact. like We don't exactly know how this order book system is going to work. So it's very hard to say whether or not someone is going to be able to adapt to something that I don't know what looks like, if that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. I think be key to understanding, I think, how football index themselves or whoever they if they employ a third party uh, liquidity maker how tightly that's going to be looked at in terms of how much how close to the price they're going to operate around you know are they going to let it drop 20 percent before someone puts an order in or are they going to always have a spread within 10 percent or you know it could definitely depend on that as to how much someone drops anyway because if no one's got an order within that spread then you know it's not going to fall lower than that kind of thing but the majority of it is going to be good i think um, to come out of order books for sure but I'm sure you've discussed that a lot obviously some of the points I've listened to you've talked about a lot so we'll uh, move on from that one but good question um, Lucas Lever has asked do you think FI should introduce a free fantasy football style game where we can guess the highest scores for players for that weekend with a low cash award and then he goes on to say that he thinks that that would be covered by increased liquidity, causing people to get the urge to bet more on the weekend and also increases fun and sign-ups. Yeah, I think we've talked about a betting kind of, you know, different side of more traditional betting, possibly on FI before. I don't know whether you've talked about it in the pods much, but I don't know what you think about that one, that idea. So I kind of used to be in the camp where... I used to talk to a lot of the guys at FI actually being like, you know, you should do some sort of kind of fan duel kind of thing, you know, like on the day, fancy football kind of kind of thing alongside it. And people would be able to pick players based on how expensive or, or cheap they are. But the more I've been on the platform, the, the longer I've been on Football Index, the more I've realized how amazing the product is and how novel it is. Like, I don't think people understand how unique this thing is. And I think watering it down with any kind of existing type of business models attached to this unique one doesn't really seem exciting to me and it doesn't really seem like it would be anything groundbreaking they've got the bones there of something that will hopefully and i mean you and i both think will be an amazing revolutionary betting platform and i just don't see the need anymore to add any kind of gimmicky add-ons whereas beforehand maybe two or three years ago i did think there might have been a need to do that but it's it's not a bad idea i just don't think it's what takes fi to become like this billion dollar market cap if that makes sense yeah maybe it would be a way i know he says a low cash reward but maybe it would be a way that they could spin it as an additional revenue stream but whether that would be enough to actually make it worthwhile and as you say watering down the actual core products taking resources away from improving 
the core products and whatnot is a bit bit of a strange time to be doing that, wouldn't it? I think. Um, also, I think as someone I remember someone mentioned in a group chat before about the actual influence that something like that could have on the actual market. You know, yeah. if, if people are always betting on so and so getting below the score, and especially under order books where demands a lot more transparent, you can see that everyone's you know only wants to buy this player at this price now. I think it could get a little bit messy and crossing over between products and whatnot. But yeah, good idea. But I think I, I agree with you on that one. That should stick to to what we know kind of thing it's also a super complex product so imagine adding more complexity (laughs) to it like to to a great extent if you were like oh and also there's this other side game where you can add like five players and they have to be priced accordingly like you get 20 quid to spend but you have to buy five players and you have to spend the 20 quid but it it costs you how much players actually cost on FI, like blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. It just just becomes riddled with complexity. And I think FI wanted to make the product less complex, not more complex in the future. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Again, like big investors, I don't think they want to see those kind of gimmicky things on there as well. That could be a bit of a turn off for those guys. But we move on to what FI could be doing. Um, Duncan Butler has asked, what do you think it is that's preventing FI from implementing the simple changes which have been needed for years, e.g. he uses uh, futures and IPD expiry dates, simpler transaction history, adding media sources. Are these simple changes more sophisticated than we imagined? Again, it's one of those questions that without knowing the nuts and bolts, the underlyings, the, pro- the, the kind of behind the scenes of FI, it's so hard to say why these things haven't happened. Yeah. I, I know, for example, that one of the reasons like... Uh, you get maybe not being able to get like a whole transaction history from the website is because that type of load on a website can be quite strenuous. Like actually going back that far data wise can be quite strenuous on the website. But the others, I don't really know why they haven't to be fair. I just, I don't know what could be stopping them, whether it's prioritization of order books or media reviews, etc. Or maybe the other thing I think could be maybe um, thought about is there are so few people that are within that three-year period that they don't really care. But I know for a fact that that's not true for some traders. So I think they should probably fix that soon. It's just one of those things I think we'll have to live with for now and hope it gets fixed at some point in the near and not distant future. Yeah, I think you called it low-hanging fruit on last week's yeah. pod. I really like that term. I think that was a good way to describe it. And yeah, I mean, I saw a picture as well, I think quite recently of, of their tech team. It's a lot bigger than I imagined it yeah. was. And when you see that, you think, well, you know, surely the, maybe these things could be getting sorted. But you never know, maybe they're saving it for NASDAQ or something. We can hope, maybe. Yeah, that's the one thing that I was thinking about. Maybe there is like a big tech upheaval with NASDAQ integration and therefore like it's not necessarily or, or, or like there's no point fixing something now that will be fixed through some sort of integration. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, Dr. Phil, if I has asked, how long do you think it'll be before where market gets saturated and when it does, do you think the best short-term traders will benefit the most and lead to a reduction in dividends? Okay, and what time span would you give all of this, if so? It's really hard to say because it's like the assumption of fair pricing, let's say, Liam, is under the assumption that you can model a player's career effectively am i am i correct in saying that you're the you're the you're the better number guy than i (laughs) so so how in terms of the question about short-term traders if you're a long-term trader and you pick up players for the duration of their career and you can forecast someone's career better than someone else through 
the amazing amount of variables they are, like injury, players, players playing at certain clubs, if a manager changes. Just think about all the things that happen throughout a player's career. It is so hard to forecast that. And it's like impossible to understand what type of modeling system would be able to effectively model a player's career. Like that's beyond my head understanding. So even if we get to a point where the market cap is at, say, a max status, let's say, there will be players that can still go up 150 200% over the course of a couple of years or even two, three months, depending on how well they do, if they completely surpass expectations. Like, do, do, do you agree with that? That's the great thing about football, isn't it, really, is that, you know, these careers are only so long and that I think what would happen with market cap is that instead of having everybody go up like we do now, you'd have the older players, as, you know, people talk about this curve with dividends with age and whatnot. And I think you'd have the older players, obviously, as they decline, you'd have the ones you're talking about who are on this right trajectory in their careers moving up at the same time. So even though the, the net, you know, capital amount in the market is the same, you're still over those years going to have those players that have obviously got those big rises in them over the long term, I don't think it becomes a short-term game really in that sense. I think what would change is we would see the downside of it happen a little bit quicker in terms of Mm. that we wouldn't have players constantly being pulled up by everybody else, wouldn't have players constantly being pulled up by dividend increases and things like that. But yeah, maybe you have to be a bit better at picking players as well in terms of not just tracking the market and just letting it ride. But yeah, I think definitely there's still a place for long-term traders in there for sure. We don't know what FI will be in. And I think this point would be probably in six, seven, eight years, maybe nine years. We don't know what FI will look like that. Will there be a situation where the dividends can flex depending on how much trading there is on the platform? Will there be some other mechanisms implemented? It's really, really hard to forecast and understand how the platform would look like at that point. But for me, I just think there are too many variables to... If we're looking at kind of football matches, right, in terms of pricing them on Betfair or whatever, the market there is so much more efficient. Like the people that are providing the liquidity are able to forecast games far more effectively than you can do a player's career. Like 90 minutes is a lot easier to predict than nine years, isn't it, Liam? Yeah, definitely, yeah. Before we move on then, I believe this is around about the time you have to plug The Athletic, don't you? Yeah, I I do. I do, I do. And yeah, this episode is brought to you by The Athletic. They're an amazing subscription-based sports news site. For everyone that's already signed up with my code thank you so much really appreciate it It helps support the content that i produce they've got amazing amazing stories on their websites behind a paywall but there's no ads or clickbait if you want 50 percent off your annual subscription you can go to theathletic.co.uk slash fig and it's £2.49 a month if you go for their annual deal if you've got a few quid spare and you you want to have some nice amazing articles to read during a cup of tea or so on and so forth and yeah £2.49 isn't a lot to spare these days is it Liam I don't know if you're a subscriber I am yeah recently actually in the last month or so of course made use of that code that you've uh, <laughs> been telling us all about yeah I've, I've not got into it too much at the minute read a few very interesting articles around you know random parts of football that you wouldn't usually read about that they seem to be very good at digging into but I think the main reason that I'm on board with it is, is you know for the transfer spec and whatnot I think they'll be the ones that could become very influential, you know, in terms of getting out the actual content rather than the noise and the clickbait kind of stuff, the way it's going, especially if you keep plugging it every week, I think we'll end up <laughs> with a situation where you have to kind of be on it to keep up in the end, you know, like you, you could have people waiting without the athletic, you know, getting the news later and it could really help be helpful with trading, I think. 
I don't know if you picked up any things this week. Less than two forty nine. More than two forty nine. What have I been buying for? I bought. Do you know what I bought? I bought Monopoly on the PlayStation to play with my mates. Digital Monopoly. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's that's something new for you, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. For five pounds ninety nine. Uh, so, I mean, that's so, not terrible, but you know, it's not 2.49. No, it's not 2.49 nah, at all. I've got a couple for you. It's a bit of an international twist on this one. So I was looking, I had a little scroll on the internet. There was plenty of time on our hands at the minute. I found that when stockpiling started in Australia, obviously over the whole COVID stuff, the price of a lettuce went up to $7, which what is around about 3.50 in the UK. That's madness. I know, right? Not even much nutrients in a lettuce. Exactly. It's just, yeah. I mean, yeah, I think that was like three or four times the regular price, I think it said. It was in supermarkets as well. It wasn't like, you know, some random corner shop trying to like mug you off. It was generally like the national price at the time. So yeah, a bit crazy. The other one I looked at as well, a six pack of Evian water, bottled water, three pound at Tesco's, you know, bottled water, bad for the environment and all that. And, you know, we've got taps. We're not in Flint. We're all good with the water over here. So give up one week of bottled water and you've got yourself a nice subscription. So that would be my plug for you. You can have that one free of charge. (laughs) Should we get back into the questions? Yeah, why not? So next one from FI Forest. He says, with the opening of FI with the German market, do you think there'll be a significant early uptake or little like the UK? It burns more slowly over time. Definitely going to burn more slowly wherever they start. 100%. There's no, you know, we had Martin on the podcast last week, Liam, talking about how little advertising there is in Manchester, let alone, you know, Berlin. So this is presuming that it's pooled liquidity, right? I can't see the real effects of a foreign territory unless they went gung-ho at it for probably a year and a half, maybe 12 to 18 months easily. Yeah, I'd say so as well. I mean, what we, we think now we're at like over 100 million market cap in the UK, but that's taken a lot of time and excessive advertising and whatnot. I think they said in the Cedars announcement that it's like 115,000 accounts open with shares or balancing at the end of 2019. So really, mm. that's not that many. But it's taken us this long to get to that. And this is, as yeah. you say, in a market where they've heavily advertised and especially in London and whatnot. So it's going to another country and do it. I'd like to believe that it will have a big impact immediately, but it will probably be a bit of a slow burner. Although you never know, it might impact in terms of the UK. People getting excited that it's going abroad. Everyone starts buying German players and we get more money going in and whatnot. So hmm. it could have a, a double effect in, in that sense, I suppose. Yeah, I think it's one of those things, isn't it? Like, it's probably going to do more for the the UK market than it is for Germany, if that makes sense. Like, I think we'd see a bigger uplift in deposits from UK traders and traders that are already on the platform in New Zealand. I think there was a guy came to the quiz, I think, from New Zealand. He got up at like 7am to do it. (laughs) Proper dedication. Kiwi FI, I think his name is. And yeah, you know, the other countries that it's available in. I think we see more uptake in terms of depositing from the current users than the new users from foreign territories at the minute. And there is only 600,000 traders so far. There's 19 million Bet365 accounts. How many million people watch football and gamble in the UK? It's a lot more than 600,000, isn't it? So for me, I think the foreign territory thing is, it's, it's big, don't get me wrong, but I think it's not as important as people think about it to some extent. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Okay, moving on to FI Ventures C. His question was, you had a brief discussion on transfer dividends. He wants to know, will it be back where they possibly planned or where they possibly planned to return? But as a result of PB overlapping, they might not. 
the same contingencies as last time, if so? And are you going to trade with them in mind coming up to the window? This, I'm not going to comment on the grammar of that question, <laughs> but that was a difficult one. But yeah, transfer dividends. Obviously, they brought them in in January a little bit, you know, dropped them in at the middle of the month. We like, <laughs> we like to think there was a reason for that. And they were maybe looking at what people traded before and after they came in yeah. during the transfer window. Maybe we've been a little bit too nice to them there, I don't know. But yeah, what do you think? You think it'll be back? Or? I think so. It depends what happens with this footballing calendar and what happens with the transfer window. I personally think that we'll see the transfer window when it opens in whenever it opens. It will stay open until January. I think that's what will happen. And football will still be played. But I think players will have to wait until their respective seasons are finished to move. So like the ZX, I think he'll have to see out his season at IX. If loads of transfers are happening and there still isn't football, it would be remiss of FI not to add them, wouldn't it? Yeah, you would think so. I suppose that the interesting part for your thoughts would be the second option is that, as you say, say it carries on until January and there's football overlapping with that. Do you think that they would, I mean, they did it in January, but do you think they would Why continue to, to do it yet? Why not? I think you want to give traders as much to trade about as possible and maybe it's slightly tweaked. I, I don't know about the getting to over a pound thing. Like, will that be tweaked, etc.? Will there be tiered? Like, if they get over a certain price, they win more? Like, I don't know. It's interesting to see what they could do with it. Uh, I wonder if they've got any jokers up their sleeve there or thereabouts. Yeah, they always seem to have these different levers and that seems to be a new one for them. So we'll see if they if they pull it again this time. Okay, last question then. Do you think that the constant sniping and negativity from many of the same accounts on Twitter is detrimental to the FI brand, particularly how it appears to new or potentially new traders? Probably, yeah. I mean, it, it definitely is. It's going to be the few, not the many though, isn't it? And I think those that are most silly and most negative with this uh, often shout from the hilltops most mm, right definitely, yeah and that makes it appear like there are more of these types of people than there are actually because they like to shout a lot they like to shout and scream from the rooftops and when they don't get attention they shout and scream more until they get more until they get some attention so it's obviously bad for the fi brand but in Every walk of life, you're going to have people like this who just their sole purpose is trying to contribute only negative thoughts. And in my experience, those types of people are are those that you want to avoid. If they've got nothing constructive to say or anything positive to say, then why speak to them at all? So that'd be that for me on on that one, because I think like we could probably talk a lot on that. But it's it's just one of those things, isn't it, that you don't want to you just don't want to read kind of that vitriol on, on Twitter, do you? No, definitely not. But I think, yeah, just end on a positive note, though, I think, like you said, it is it is a minority, not, not the majority. And I think recently, especially over the last few months, we've had a lot more of these really, really good accounts coming out of the woodworks, pulling out this data. You mentioned a lot of them earlier, giving really good analysis of footballers to do with FI, some not so much to do with FI, like the, the guy that does all the tactics, there's some fantastic stuff on there. Those people are always going to be there, as you said. But I think in general, I think we have a pretty good pretty good community right not no other betting platform seems to have this much uh this much going on no it doesn't it doesn't it's a truly unique and wonderful platform and its community is just as good yeah for sure any final remarks before i wrap up not really i just you know want to remind people to stay indoors stay safe at these times enjoy the the time that you've got in your hands and if you don't have any 
time in your hands, then I hope that things change soon and you can kind of go back to normality. But it's a crazy time out there in the world where something like this just hasn't happened before. And I think people are slowly acclimatizing to what is the new normal until it isn't, if that makes sense. So uh, yeah, everyone stay safe, wash your hands and yeah, we'll make it and we'll be stronger on the other end as a people and as a, as a football index community and platform, I'm sure. Yeah, great parting remarks. Well, thank you for coming on your own podcast this week. It's been awesome for me to be here to uh, to host it for you. Just to wrap up as usual, then I'd like to say, you know, if you are one of the few people that are still commuting, you're a key worker, keep up the good work and stay safe out there. Everyone else, hope isolation is treating you well. Sorry if we didn't get to answer all of your questions and thank you for the great ones that we had. Finally, Football Index is a gambling platform. Only bet what you can't afford to lose and stop when the fun stops. Stay safe, guys, and have a good day. Cheers, everyone.